We see Leon Williams staring straight into the camera. The feed dances and flickers as he begins to speak. Listen, if you can hear me, my name is Leon Williams. I am broadcasting live from inside the sphere around CNL. And it's time the world knew the truth about what's happening here. As he continues to speak, the camera pans around to show the absolute bedlam of the cathedral cloister. Augie Ball doesn't want you to believe in a better world. He wants you to believe in his world, his power, his vision for humanity. He wants you to believe in his story. You've heard it before if you've been paying attention. It's the same story we've heard for years, centuries. One that's been bought and sold by the rich and powerful a thousand times over. Laundered across history so it never feels tired or stale. But the problem with this world is people. People like you and me. We're too weak, too lazy, too selfish, too stupid. The world is messed up because we are. And if they could just make us better, make us more like them, then this world would be a better place. Is that the story you want? That the same people who built and profited off this fucked up world are the only ones who can fix it? Who can fix us? Because I know a different story. A better story. A story about ordinary people stepping up to do extraordinary things. People standing together in times of crisis, when all the rules are tossed out in favor of what folks truly need. A story about caring and sacrifice, hardship and kinship, friendships that become family. That's the story I believe in. That's our story. I'm not asking you to believe in a better world. Just a better story for all of us. And we'll do the work together. Hey folks, Quinn here. Jumping in at the beginning so I don't have to butt in later while you all are enjoying episode 63 of Monster Hour. Our season finale. On behalf of the whole crew, I want to thank you all for joining us on this journey. Since the beginning, we've had so much fun playing this game together as friends, but what's really made it special has been hearing from you all about how the story has touched you and made you laugh. It's honestly one of the things I'm most proud of creatively, and it has been an honor for us to share it with you all. We have a lot of people to thank for helping make this possible, more than I can name here today, but there are a few folks that I really want to recognize. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone who helped spread the word about the show and bring new folks into the fold. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for helping us improve the production quality and experiment with new, fun games and stories. And of course, a special shout out to our latest patrons, CJ, Jeremy Dunlap, and Sarah. Thank you to Austin, Susanna, Cap, and Reed, who brought some of our favorite NPCs to life. And to Kent, Kristen, Tim, and Adam, who did the same for the Realm of Otherware. Thank you to the Monster of the Week podcasts that help pave the way and inspire us. The Crit Show, The Unexplored Places, Thornvale, and yes, The Adventure Zone Amnesty. And thank you to those who have joined the ranks and brought your own unique stories and takes to the genre, especially the excellent folks at Shrim and Crits and Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High. And perhaps most importantly, a tremendous thank you to Michael Sands for creating the game that helped us tell this story. Our hat is off to you, Michael. Thank you. So, what comes next? Well, for starters, we are going to be taking a much-needed break. We have been producing this show largely nonstop for almost three years now, and it's time we took some time to rest and recharge our creative energies. 
And personally, I am ready to spend some extra time with my little monster in his first few months in this world. The show is not over, though, I promise. Early next year, we will be returning with a brand new season. It'll be a new story, new characters, and likely a new game as well, though we haven't settled on all the details just yet. Before that new season begins, we will also have another episode of After Hours to talk about everything that happened in this season and to answer your burning questions about all the juicy, behind-the-scenes details. Keep an eye on our social media for news and updates on both of those things. And that's all I've got. Without further ado, the season finale of Monster Hour. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Hannah. Guten Tag. Ihaisa Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. Ooh, Kyle. Lessons. Hello, I'm Kyle, and I play Alvin Hughes the Monstrous. And Tio. Hello, I'm Tio, and I have played, it has been my pleasure and honor <laughs> to play Constance the Expert. Hello and welcome to the show. (laughs) We open in the eye of the storm. Around the three of you swirls the maelstrom of pitched battle. The forces of the court of the New Spring, the Treant Kindred, and the former anchors of Otherware are doggedly pushing back the army of false believers, who continue to swarm and seethe on all sides like a hive of angry insects. They're holding their own and have managed to give you a bit of breathing room, but they're still vastly outnumbered. Even as you get your bearings, you see one of the arboreal giants disappear beneath a wave of bodies. Within the court's protection, the bruised and beleaguered members of the Daylight Society are preparing to begin the sealing ritual. They've circled up on the stage where the Cabal had been just moments ago, the only area that appears untouched by Vol's reimagining, and are furiously sketching out sigils and diagrams at Pax and Dorian's direction. And floating above the fray, is the arcane apotheosis of Augival, more magic than man. His physical form is barely holding together at this point, dizzying polychromatic surface dissipating into the air like smoldering smoke. An avatar of entropy, lashed together only by hubris and willful zeal. As he finishes castigating your efforts to stymie his scheme, Val's eyes fall to Magdalena, standing sourly between Constance and Brandusa. His lip curls scornfully as he raises both hands towards the three. There's nothing more contemptible than one who lacks the courage of their conviction. All around, the ground beneath you begins to rumble, and quickly the tremors build into a full-fledged quake. The battle is cast into disarray as the earth buckles and breaks, forming an uneven jumble of sharply tilting tabletops. Columns of stone burst forth from the ground, bludgeoning your allies and breaking their tight-knit formation. Almost immediately, Vol's believers begin to spill in, forcing Morgana and the Green Knight to spring into action to prevent your position from being overrun. And Constance, there is a sharp crack as the earth beneath your feet splits wide, and without warning, the gaping maw of an emerging chasm threatens to swallow you and your family whole. What do you do? Well, internally, I give a very big sigh of like, of course it does, because... (sighs) 
freaking of course. Immediate um, unwelcome attention, baby. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I'll I mean, see you again. Yeah. Uh, folks, this is uh, my second time. I've been to this show. I know. This is Doom 2, okay? Better graphics, better storytelling. Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Thank you. Thank you both for uh, You're welcome. coming in I'm going to be clutch. a dad in like one week. I got to get my practice shots in. Oh, you've done plenty of practice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So basically the earth is splitting under beneath my feet, right? That's yes. what's happening here? A fissure okay. is opening up right beneath you. Okay. I would like to yell out loud to my mother and my grandmother, the Nadia special, uh, which as Romanians and as my family, they both immediately know what this means. Some of you at home might also know what this means. Uh, It's basically a tumble, duck and roll. So I feel like this would be me attempting to get out of the way of the earth while also telling my family how to do the same. I'm not sure mechanically what this would be. Dope-ass gymnastics. Yeah, this is my... I would like to roll for dope-ass gymnastics, please. As a Romanian, I think I get a plus one to that. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> I, I'm not least. sure. Quinn, I don't at think least. that's right. That's fair. But go ahead and that's give me fair. a roll <laughs> to fair. act under pressure. Alrighty. Sounds like a fucking no. <laughs> cop-out not letting you have a gymnastics boost, but fine. Well, may I say that I get my, I've read about this sort of thing because every Romanian has read oh, about definitely. how Nadia Comaneci has watched all of the footage, yeah, knows by, how this yes, works. Yes, of course. I read course. about is Thank you, there's you. like a VHS in a glass case in the library. It's been well played. <laughs> is this, I'm pretty sure there's like probably a 30 for 30 on that. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> That is a solid eight. Woo. Yay! Okay. On a seven to nine, I will give you a worse outcome, hard choice, or a price to pay. Not tens all around? <laughs> you get um, 9.5. Yeah, yeah. Look, we're not Nadia. We're striving to be. It's That's the German judge, it wasn't it? Oh, God. Constance? <laughs> yes. You can cut all of this gymnastics conversation out. You I should not gold. cut any of it out. It's, it's great. Hey, hey, it's gold. Oh, my God. Oh! Keeping it tight. Moving oh, on. No. Keeping it tight. Oh, no. Uh, that's okay. going to make it really hard to transition to this just brutal hard choice that I'm going to give Constance, which is, <laughs> Constance, it's you or your mother. Oh, I don't think shit. she'll be able to react quickly enough without your assistance, but if you help her, you're going to put yourself in so much jeopardy that you're not going to make it out. Um... This is what you've been waiting for, baby. Oh, this is tough. I think Constance's instinct is to help her mom, and then she stops herself because she realizes the the one promise she made to her mom is that if her mom came back with her, that she would continue to participate in Earth. And so I think she like gives a knowing look to her mom and does the Nadia special to make it out and make sure that she kept her promise. You leap and tumble forward as the ground gives way beneath you. And by the time you look back, she's gone. There's nothing but a yawning chasm of earth and the ethereal form of your boonie looking down in absolute horror. Alvin and JR, around you, the earth is coming undone. It's buckling and, and tilting, and everything is quaking. 
What do you do? Augie's hovering how far off the ground? Uh, I'll say about 20 feet. Ooh, big jump. I look Sarah straight in the eyes. You with me? Yeah, yeah. I'm back. I'm okay. We're creating a new seal. We need you to, you, you're a critical part of that. We need to get you over the, with the rest of the group. We need to get this thing started and keep him away. Okay, I can do this. And she, she steadies herself and then sprints over to the other 11 members of the Daylight Society who are gathered around this stage, which is pitching like a ship in a terrible, terrible storm. Oof. JR! Constance, where are you? A point of clarification, Quinn, where am I? Uh, all three of you <laughs> are kind of around the extent of this space where the Daylight Society is starting the ritual and just outside of you. The forces of the Court of the New Spring are engaged in pitched combat with Vols mm-hmm. Believers. And above okay. us is Augie? Yeah, and floating yes. kind of above all of you is Augie Vol. Yeah, we need to bring him down. Yeah, we gotta like distract him or something. Yeah, bubble the 12. I mean, we gotta protect the 12. That ritual yeah. is our one shot. Yep, yep, okay. I need to see if I can cast something to either stop the Earth from being just real naughty And I'm wondering, Quinn, if a large enough protective bubble would protect us from both any kind of assault from Augie and also steady the earth or if it's like a one-two thing. I think those would be separate things. Okay. Steady the earth. I'll take Augie. Okay. I'm going to cast something to try and steady the earth, like just to stop it from doing its thing. Make another earthquake, but invert the phase. Then it all kind of balance out, you know? Yeah, I do that. (laughs) I'm, what effect is this? I'm imagining it that it's like, either it's me commanding the earth to just like sit still, or I'm somehow creating something for us all to be on. Like a small area that is steady while everything else around it. Like, like lift you're fine the stage up. Right. You're fine if you stay on this, but if you fall off, like then you're fucked, man, because you're just going to fall down and- Okay, crack and, I will yeah. call this do one thing that is beyond human limitation. This <laughs> is a little beyond that. So I think there are going to be some, it's not full big magic, but we're going to use the seldom used requirements, oh, which is mostly yeah. that this is going to require some time uh, and it's going to require you to draw the protection spell around the stage to settle the earth beneath it. Which I'm very familiar with those because I've done protection spells before and we copied the ones that were in Constance's studio to yeah. make our own little protection. So I'm familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we had to use that when we were uh, when we went through the rift. That's what we oh, ended yeah, up using. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, in effect, it's just going to take you some time, JR. Okay. Right. You sprint right. over there uh, and I, I think everyone in the Daylight Society is, is looking at you in terror because as you head over there, you're sprinting along the earth and it starts to break. And you can yeah. see another one of those chasms starting to open mm-hmm. up beneath the stage. Cool. Uh, and as you get there, Pax looks at you and says, JR, do something. Do something, JR. <laughs> Why do I have to be the voice of reason in this situation? I hate being the adult. Uh, all right. I go and I kneel down probably in the middle of the stage and start trying to cast this spell. And I look up to everybody else and I'm like... Please don't let anything fall on me. This is going to take me a little while. I would super appreciate nobody bothering me for like five minutes. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, talk amongst yourselves. Govern yourselves accordingly. Okay. Everyone shush. <laughs> <laughs> Stop screaming. <laughs> you get to work, JR. We're going to jump to to Alvin. Alvin. 
Okay. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, I need to become the bigger threat to Augie. And 20 feet up is pretty far, but that's a, I've done big leaps before. So yeah. Alvin is going to coyote up and try to get a ramp off of one of the cracks in, in the earth, maybe, and just leap and try to swipe at Augie. Ideally, would love to like grab him in my teeth, perhaps, that are better now. Thank yes, you. your your teeth have grown back at this point. Yay! Uh, after the interaction Woo! with Vol's Believer. Do you feel like this is a protect someone or a kick some ass? I mean, I am trying to make a defense, but I think the the co- the way I'm doing that is I'm trying to be a bigger threat to Augie, which yeah. would be kicking ass. Okay, Alvin, give me a roll to kick some ass. Okay. Be good today, Dice. Oh, very good today, <gasps> Dice. So good. 13, Quinn. Okay. Yeah. On a 12 plus, you get to pick an enhanced effect. I will tell you, Alvin, your attack drives the enemy away in a route <laughs> is not an option for Augie Ball. Shoot. There is nothing that here, will break Augie. his will. And then he goes, oh, big teeth. Never mind. See you later. Um, I'll pick you suffer no harm at all. What does this look like? Uh, I think it's similar to what, what I described. There's maybe a, a crack in the earth that erupts, forming a sort of handy ramp for Alvin as he kind of gets low, runs as fast as he can up that ramp, plants his back paws and leaps off of it and collides with Agival, intimate close quarters and just tries to clamp down on his, what you may call a shoulder in his current form with my big coyote teeth. Alvin, you sprint off of this ramp and fly through the air, through this maelstrom of, of chaotic energy, and tackle Augie Vol. He doesn't fall, but he does kind of wobble and drop a little bit in his floating, and you clamp your teeth down over his shoulder. I, I, I'm so sorry, Alvin, but as soon as they pierce his flesh, <gasps> they disintegrate again. Oh my god. Exactly like the interaction with his believers, this protection, your teeth are not magical. Mm-hmm. And so they just disintegrate. But you have managed to get a hold of him in such a way that I think you're you're kind of on his back. And so mm-hmm. he he actually can't ironically, he can't see you very well. Yeah. And as you're as you're grappling him, you can see these like bolts of of lightning. Uh, he like is reaching back and trying to like shoot these bolts of prismatic lightning at you, but he's not able to find purchase. Oh, it's hot! Look out! Oh, it's hot! 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 <laughs> you are spider monkeying him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Effective. Constance. Aha! Uh-huh, Aha! Uh-huh. You just narrowly escape this chasm, and you're you're looking back at your boonie when you hear Dorian shout towards you. Constance, we need the bookends. We need the physical vessel. We can't start without it. Not a problem. Constance lifts up her very decorative sweater and strapped to her person underneath are the two bookends. <laughs> Amazing. You've I like, love it. Yes. You've like borrowed Pax's underarm holsters. Yep, 100%. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. It's an underarm holster and in each holster is one of the bookends. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Amazing. Constance, you unveil these, and as you do, the ground before you starts to sunder. How far away is... Where am I in relation to the circle? I mean, you're only probably 20 or 30 feet away, but 
this is like the world's worst obstacle course. Basically, mm-hmm. you have Got shifting it. and broken earth that is shaking and quaking and rumbling. You have these spinning pillars of of stone that are lashing out, almost like the pieces of the bridge. Those like cattails, they're they're just swinging mm-hmm. wildly and taking out the treants and and all of the the forces of the court of the new spring uh, around you. And so it's a short distance, but it's not an easy path. Got it. Okay. Is it a short enough distance for me to throw the bookends to Dorian or someone else? You can try. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would like to do two things. First, my boonie, I assume, is hovering near near me. I think she's still just like staring down into the abyss where your mm-hmm. mother disappeared to. Okay. I think I say Brandusa, which should get her attention because I would never call her that. It does. Okay. She looks at you. I need you. We need you. She looks down one last time, and then her spectral form sails towards you. I look her in the eye, and I say, eyes, and I say, there will be time to mourn, but let's make sure that at least one of us is here to mourn it. Remember that very long, very shrill, very high-pitched nursery rhyme that you used to sing to me in Romanian? For whatever reason, you sing to children even though it's terrible. I need you to go and sing this into Aguival's ear. We may not be able to destroy him, but we can surely annoy the shit out of him. And then I, like, turn my attention away from her and look to Dorian. I know that if I look at her anymore, we're both going to start tearing up, assuming ghosts can tear up. So I turn my attention to Dorian. She nods and sails towards Alvin and Augie Vol, floating in the sky above. So I focus my attention on Dorian. I look him in the eye and I go, I'm coming. I see everything in front of me. I see all the obstacles. In my head, I design a multi-step ballet dance style twirl flip combo. I would like to, in a very calculated fashion, parkour ballet floor is lava my way across, (laughs) combing my way through the various obstacles in my path in order to land right in front of Dorian with the bookshelves held out. Okay, uh, Constance, give me a very elaborate act under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> That's an 11. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, damn. Okay. Damn. Constance, you artfully, playfully, rambunctiously even, <laughs> do these these pirouettes and, and flips and dance moves through this mayhem of earth and stone and land flawlessly in front of Dorian. And I think he pauses for just a moment amidst this chaos and applauds. <laughs> I take a bow. I am not the only one with a flair for the dramatic, it appears. We have more in common than uh, you would think. No, have you met the three of us? I mean... Buddy. Constance, he takes the two bookends and looks at you and says, keep Vol occupied as long as you can. I will try to put up some protection. Perhaps JR can assist me, but the less he's focused on the ritual, the better. Now go. I nod with a smirk, and I start walking towards Agival. And Dorian turns and runs back to the stage, which is still pitching and heaving, JR, as you finish the last of these sigils. Go ahead and give me a roll to use magic. All right. Come on. Quinn, remember when you uh, when you gave me that plus one weird ongoing? 
Do you, do you remember that? I do. Uh, that's how I ended up with a 15! Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. I think that's... That, that might be a record. The biggest, that's, yeah. I think so. Our second 15. Damn. Holy <laughs> hell. What a good, okay. good time. Hey, good time. Hey, JR, great timing. On a 12 plus <laughs> advance, I will offer you an added benefit. JR, you finish etching the last sigil as Constance steps onto the stage. And as she does, the ground beneath you finally gives way. The earth splits apart, and before you is nothing but an open chasm to the abyss beneath. But this stage, JR, it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, shit! Floating above this vast emptiness are you and the Daylight Society. <laughs> and around you, you see the sigils of the protection spell. They're absorbing, they're drinking up the latent magical energy around you, and you see the hallmark shimmer of your barrier spell, layer upon layer surrounding you. You and your allies are floating as the battle rages around you. I am. Um, I look at Dorian and I go, it's pretty cool, right? I didn't know I could do that. You know, I really don't like to do this too often. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, uh-huh. He pulls out a top hat from his suit vest, puts it on, <laughs> and tips his cap to you. All right. Yay! Yeah. What a yeah. 15! <laughs> yeah. Jr. All, right. all you have to do now is play a guitar solo, and you're on some, like, Trans-Siberian Orchestra nonsense. Yes. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Alvin. Uh-oh. Gang, I'm realizing I don't have any magical weapons. Nope. Alvin, Vol is sailing through the air, swinging back and forth, trying to loose you. And finally, he comes to a stop. And the rest of you see two enormous serpentine columns of earth shoot forth and slam into Alvin, striking him from both sides and knocking him clean off of Vol's back. Alvin, you're going to take two harm, okay. and you are sent flying into the melee. Around you, swarms of Vol's believers, kindred and pact-bound companions in this fierce combat. I think as I land, I revert back to human form. Oh. <laughs> oh that's okay. Does he have his human okay? That didn't hurt too bad. I just, oh, wind knocked out of me. That was still one harm because I was not protecting or attacking. That was yeah. just a hit on me. Oh. But I think I try to get to my feet, get my breath back try to just get my bearings of where I am, which direction is essentially back to Augie Vol. And once I clock that, I want to try to start making my way there. And inst- I'm less trying to bite and scratch and use my claws. I've gone full. This is this is just good old fashioned human stuff here. I'm going to go pugilist, just like make fists, punch things out of the way. Okay. So less trying to like pierce and damage things, but more like with pure force, knocking things aside. Yeah, uh, give me a roll to kick some ass as you wade through this crowd of Vol's believers. Yeah. Do that again, Dice. Oh, it's still okay, though. It's a 10. Oh, okay. it's only okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a 12. We were on such a roll of freaking yeah. like nailing it. Yeah, you had some finale rolls. Uh, on a 10, 10 though, plus two is an I extra effect. take a 10. I mean, I think the, the best one here from what I was trying to do is just you force them where you want them. Yeah. I think, Alvin, with a 10 plus and with that effect, you are able to successfully just brawl your way through the remnants of this melee and make it back inside the line of the Court of the New Spring. 
and ahead of you, you see Ogival, his attention turned to the stage and his arms raised towards it. Hey, nerd! Hello? Hey! Hey! There is just, no response. Just wave him Okay, I just, just, <laughs> just wave my arms and start running at him. On that stage, the members of the Daylight Society form into a circle. Twelve perfectly even-spaced individuals. Around them, the sigils and diagrams and runes begin to glow. And each one of them holds out a hand to the horizon. In unison, twelve bolts of white lightning arc across the sky, striking their hands and descending downward, crackling with power to the sigils below. And as this happens, the three of you see Augie Vol smile. Don't like that. And his voice booms everywhere all at once. You know what they say. The only way to fight lightning is with lightning. Nobody says says that. that? (laughs) Nobody! Who's they? Above you, You? storm clouds begin to gather. Do y'all know what catatumbo lightning is? No. No, and I'm afraid to look, but... Why don't y'all just do a a quick, listeners, do a quick search for catatumbo lightning. You, know, you could oh, just say shit. lightning everywhere, just everywhere lightning. Oh no! Oh no! Oh! Listeners, imagine a sky filled with lightning. Not one bolt here and there, but hundreds Ooh. of purple bolts of lightning descending down. Very sexy. Love I mean, it. If you like lightning, yeah, this is great. I mean, I do like it, but not in this context. The cannonade crashes down against JR's barrier and it strains almost immediately. JR, you can feel the strength of this assault. Your protection spell is powerful, but this is more so. Your barrier is not going to hold under the assault of this lightning. What do the three of you do? Hey, friends! I'm good at magic, but I don't think I can stop that thing. So I've got an idea for Alvin. I mean, it's classic Alvin stuff. So if you guys want to do something first, go for it. Go for it. So, okay. So, uh, hold on. Talk amongst yourselves again while I look at my sheet. As though it will have some answers on it if I look hard <laughs> enough. Well, I Perhaps wonder something if- I wrote on the back? No? No, nothing useful there. I'm wondering if it's lightning. You don't necessarily need to protect against it. You can divert it. Right. So is there something that you could build on like a roof overhang that would divert it or like a, po- a stick, you know, Constance, like lightning sticks? you have like a really long metal knitting needle. Well, I actually had an idea. <laughs> Preparedness. <laughs> yep. I would like to say that Constance has... What essentially looks like a selfie stick, you know, the metal rod (laughs) selfie stick, which (laughs) would already be good enough to divert all of the electricity. But this is no no ordinary selfie stick. No, no, no. Of course course not. not. No, this is actually part of the arsenal that her her boonie left her. It is essentially a a huge metal rod that you can load into a primitive cannon and shoot at someone to pierce them. Like a big harpoon. It's a big harpoon. <laughs> we went it's from a, very a selfie harpoon. stick to a harpoon gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's, it's very it's, quickly. It's, it's a matter of degrees, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's the metal piece 
for the harpoon. It's not the whole gun. This is essentially like right. you get like two sticks that you can look. You get a Nerf gun. You okay, have so you've multiple got a harpoon. Things. I have a, a long harpoon. metal harpoon. <laughs> right. That is retractable, so it can fit in a backpack. Well, it's like, it's very convenient. It's like one of those like instant bow staff things. Have you seen those where you like click a little button and it's like the size of your fist and you let go and just and yep. suddenly it's like a ten foot metal rod. Exactly. A hundred percent. I would like to okay. say that Constance pulls this out of her back pocket, or no, Constance pulls this out of a different part of uh, Pax's holster. She has essentially equipped this entire holster with random gadgets. Okay, and I'm very like curious how you got plane. Pax's holster. <laughs> I I asked. Anyway, um, we're getting off topic. Constance, yes. give me a preparedness roll. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm sorry, Quinn. Here it comes. That's a 12, my oh, friend. Boy. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. This um, is some finale shit. On a 10 plus, you have it right here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So y'all see Constance reach into Pax's holster, which she borrowed at some point, uh, and produce <laughs> from it this extremely like long, unfolding, collapsible harpoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's in my hand. I haven't fully opened it yet or held it up to the sky. But what I do is, how how far am I from Augie currently? Uh, I don't know, 50 feet. Pretty far. Pretty far. Okay. How far am I from some Around. of the believers? Uh, maybe a little bit closer, but y'all are like floating on this this stage kind of around nothing. That's kind of how JR protected y'all. Right, right. I'm still but on that stage? say maybe 20 feet, yeah. Even though I walked away from Dorian? Okay. Yeah, because you ran up and got on the stage and then the chasm opened up beneath you and JR's spell went off. I mean, you can jump off the stage if you want. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I, I pull out the rod. I turn and face Augie. I blow him a kiss, and then I do like a little like whip motion with my hand, and the entire harpoon opens up, and I hold it up to the sky, and if this works in any way like regular science, all of that should now go to the rod, to me, rather than to anybody else. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Oh, You're trying no. to draw all of the lightning to yourself? Oh. I would, right? That's what I would do if it's a uh. huge metal rod, right? Oh, uh. why are you doing this? <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, mm. I don't think there's a roll here. Uh, yeah, all of the lightning is drawn away from... I think the rod sort of extends out from the barrier, uh, and so it attracts all of the lightning. All of these bolts strike your harpoon, and the electricity travels down and strikes you. Constance, take five harm. Still alive, y'all. No! We didn't have a better option, did we? Did we have any other options to not have all of our 12 die? Oh, no, it's good. It's good. I was knowing in character. Oh, I see. I, see. I am Alvin seeing you hold up a thing and get struck by lightning. Yeah, we're um, allowed to all not enjoy this. <laughs> Yay, yeah, I'm not got dead. struck Still by upset lightning. About it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not great. dead. Love it. <laughs> I'm one away. <laughs> the rest of you see these bolts of lightning just one after the other cascading, striking this rod that Constance has put up. And it protects the barrier. Great. But Constance is being electrocuted over and over and over again. Uh, and she's just shaking and catatonic, basically. Fuck. I want to do another big leap 
I want to just like bear hug Augie and pin his arms down to his side. Yeah, give me a roll to protect someone. While screaming. Ah! Sorry, listeners. <laughs> that is a nine. On a seven and nine, you will protect them okay, but you're going to suffer some or all of the harm they were going to get. I don't think there's any way you can actually protect Constance from suffering that harm. But mm-hmm. you take another running leap and sail through the air and grab hold of Augie Vall in the sky. And you bear hug him and, and pin his arms to his side. And he turns to look at you such as he can, with the headset on. And he starts to laugh. You think you can stop me with just a hug, beast? Let me show you what the true power of magic can do. And Alvin, you feel your body start to disintegrate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great, love it. The layers of your skin just slowly, not even peeled away, but reimagined into something else. Could I push my physical body past its limits? Sure. Give me a no limits roll. Squeeze him really good. Squeeze the magic in my body back into his body. Squeeze him so good. Ooh, squeezed him pretty good. Squeezed squeezed him 12 good. Hey! Yeah! Alvin, as this happens, you grip even tighter. You squeeze Augie's semi-physical, metaphysical form, and you feel your body continue to be destroyed, but it is also healing. Your regenerative abilities are pushing past their limits in this arcane maelstrom, and even as you disappear, you hold on. You're going to take two harm, but you have Augie completely pinned and distracted, and as you do, that lightning slowly peters out, almost as though he's lost focus on it. I use the advanced to give my allies and I plus one forward. Oh, I'm sorry. It was, I missed the advance there. Uh, yes, absolutely. 12. Great. I give a big howl, a battle howl. So we got to get this. We got to get the ritual done. Like, that's the thing. We got to get this fucking thing done. Yeah. Uh, JR, this lightning fades away and Constance at last stops seizing and falls to the ground. Constance, I'm going to put the harm move on you unconscious given the overwhelming damage and and shock that you just received. Yeah, that's fair. JR, you see Constance (laughs) collapse to the ground and around you, the Daylight Society are continuing to channel their electricity, their energy, their arcane power. And you see these sigils and runes all around the stage slowly beginning to seep with this bright white light, the same light that shines on your key but they still have uh, ways to go. Constance, I do want to let you know that I'm very upset. I am very, like, I'm very in my heart upset that you are unconscious. <laughs> I definitely did a like, oh, fuck, when you got all zapped. There's like a little bit of a sizzle coming out of you. Oh, yeah, I think my hair is very crispy. And like, at this point, I don't know if you're dead or not, but I also know that like, we got to get this shit done. Otherwise, I'm not even going to be able to check and see if you're dead or not, because we're all going to be dead. So I'm going to let you know, I have compartmentalized it, but I will come back and revisit this trauma when I'm in a better place. That's I'm fair. Not, I'm not ignoring you. No, okay, no, no, I so get that. It's going to take them a while. Like, do we have an estimate? Quinn? Quinn, how much more time in the proving drawer is this going to need? Jer, I don't think you know for sure. Uh, you remember that from the big magic ritual, it could take up to an hour, but I don't know that you know exactly how long. Oh, oh no. Fuck. How long have we been fighting, Augie? I don't think, you- let me just put it this way. I don't think you know exactly how long it's going to take, JR, but there okay. may be a third of the way done. Oh, God. 
what's Brandusa doing at this point? How is her nursery rhyme going? Is it having oh. any like help uh, out? It doesn't effect? appear to have any impact on Vol. He appears to be completely ignoring her. Well, then I would wow. suggest that she comes and helps out with the ritual as much as she can. All right, Constance, as soon as you did your maneuver and, and were electrocuted, she immediately abandoned that scheme and sailed over to your position. Okay. What do y'all want to do? I say as a dom, as Unconscious a- Unconscious person. Yep. Can I Can I give Alvin a raccoon tail? I should not give him a raccoon tail. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to enchant Alvin's claws. Okay, give me a roll to use magic. Yes, enchant a weapon, it gets plus one harm and plus magic. We should have been doing this the whole time. This feels feels great to me. Yeah. Nine. On a seven to nine, it works, but there's a glitch. I will take one harm. Okay, great. Woo! Woo! JR, you hold out the key, and I think- I think it actually draws some of the like residual lightning because the bolts are part electricity and part pure arcane power. And so I think there's just like a little bit of a grounding effect there that deals mm-hmm. one harm. But you channel that bolt back out to Alvin uh, and Alvin, you feel your claws. I don't even know how they would feel. Um, Tingle like a battery. Yeah. Like touching a battery. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What do you do? I grin and I say to Vol, how about this magic for you? And while grabbing him, I extend the claws and just rip my arms apart. Like I'm holding, okay. I'm squeezing him like a big bear hug. And I'm just going to rake a whole hand of claws just straight up his back. Yeah, give me a roll to kick some ass. Just tear both of these open. Ooh, baby, that's a nine plus three is another 12. Okay, another Ooh, advanced. Woo. What is your enhanced effect? Uh, double harm. Okay. And this is a plus one to the claws, which is four magic ignore armor, which makes it eight magic ignore armor. Alvin, your claws extend out into Val's body and you pull them apart and you see his body split like splattering of paint on a canvas. Oh, excellent. And as it does, it becomes pure magic. Just this glimmering gaseous energy. And he recoils, and he looks at you and says, if that's the way you want things to be, so be it. Once more, Val holds out his hands, and the battle around you, raging between the Court of the New Spring, Morgana, the Green Knight, Dorian, and Val's believers, begins to slow, as the bodies are lifted up into the sky. And the stage, too, starts to float upward. Oh no. As the laws of gravity are unraveled by <laughs> Augie Vol. Not cool! Not cool, Augie! Not fucking cool! This is bullshit! Fuck you! All around you, you hear <laughs> booming laughter as bodies begin to float upwards, a field, a constellation of points drifting slowly at first, but then starting to plummet upwards towards the sky. I have a question. So I've got my force field up. I like to imagine that it's like a snow globe and people are floating up and they're like (laughs) getting hot. They're like, they're like collecting of the ceiling, Um, like party balloons. That's, I hadn't considered that. That's amazing. That's 100% what's happening. Um, I think most members of the Daylight Society are managing to, to hold on. You know, they've seen a thing or two in their time. uh, And so their reflexes are better than most. I think, you know, let's say 
I think Jasper loses his grip and starts sailing upwards uh, and then just sort of <laughs> clunks, plunks against the top of your barrier. But mm-hmm. JR and, and Constance, but you're still unconscious. This whole stage is starting to slowly but steadily drift upwards. What's up above us? Is it just like open sky or is there yep. a... Okay, I mean, well, the edge of the sphere is somewhere up there, but <laughs> yeah, it's just open sky up towards space. Okay, okay. Well, that's not good. Everybody, hold on to each other so you at least end up in the same place. Uh, hold on. To what? The uh, Augie? Oh, yeah, like um, skydiving formation. Yeah, Alvin, give me an act under pressure. I think you're close enough to try to grab hold of Augie before you start floating away. Or before okay. you do float away. You're already starting. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, I rolled double ones. Yikes. No. Oh, no. That's not going to do. Luck point. I'm sticking to this motherfucker like glue. Yeah! So that makes that an advanced act under pressure. Okay, on a 12 plus, you can choose to either do what you wanted and something extra, or to do what you wanted to absolute perfection. Do what I want to being sticking with them is pretty perfect already. So something extra maybe to just, if I'm pulled away, just bring him with me. Okay. Alvin, Augie's form in front of you is, well, honestly, it's horrifying. His lower and upper body are still mostly human, but his torso and his midsection, where you rent him in twain, are just this, like, semi-gaseous intestinal cloud that's just a swirl of harlequin color. But as gravity comes undone and you begin to float away, you latch onto his upper body again, once more. And whatever he seems to have done to the laws of nature, they don't impact him. So you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Claws dug into him like an anchor. I kind of squint one eye and I don't look at the middle part. JR, what are you doing? Okay, so Constance is like floating upwards. I would like to try and use magic to like lasso her in. I think she's sitting up there with Jasper kind of at the edge of the snow globe. So. Oh, she's in it. For some reason I thought she was not in the Okay, so she's no. in the she's in the snow globe. Okay. Yeah, I'm still in there. Yeah. Okay. I would like to try to heal Constance. Okay, give me a roll to use magic. Well, it's an 8. Oh boy. It's an okay. 8. Okay. Okay. <laughs> On uh, seven to nine, there's a glitch. Now you know how we feel every time you roll dice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will take a harm. I can take the harm. Yeah. Okay. JR, I think you grab hold of Constance before she joins Jasper and sort of floating away. And I think you remember the times in the past when you've sort of pushed magic into other things like, like the fake key. And you push some of your strength, some of your fortitude, some of your constitution into Constance. And so you take one harm and deliver it to her. Constance, heal one harm, stabilize, and your eyes flutter open to see JR and behind her looking just an absolute wreck, your boonie. Well, you sure, I'm looking at JR. Well, you've sure come a long way from shooting your best friends. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's it. Get out of the bubble. Kicked out of the bubble. That's how you know Constance is going to be okay. She made a joke. Uh, and Constance, as you come to, you realize that JR is sort of anchoring you in place so that you don't float 
up into the sky towards space, as Hold everything on. around you seems to be doing. Don't I still have a jetpack on? Uh, yes. So I'm just going to reverse thrust this bad boy. What are we talking about here? I can just hover. I feel like this jetpack is your favorite thing of this entire show. I kind of, it is. Oh, yeah. Look at how much use I get out of it. It's like, so cool. I think it's I literally cool. just like look at Augie Ball and I just like stick my tongue out and go <laughs> and just like use the jetpack to hover in time. Amazing. Uh, you stick your tongue out at Augie Ball as you're like reverse jetpacking, <laughs> jetpacking down towards the ground to avoid the upside down gravity, and you just stare out at him and, and stick your tongue out. I like to imagine your hair is all shot out like a cartoon got zapped. I oh, look, yeah. I look like Doc from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a hundred percent right now. It's just, it's yeah, yep, yep. Okay, so you are mocking Augie Ball from inside of the slowly ascending stage bubble bubble stage but your rise towards the sky towards the stratosphere towards space it's only getting faster what do you do i have an idea that does require magical enhancement from jr so i don't know if that's i don't know how tapped you are jr i don't know if you have like spells i don't know how any i still don't know how magic works uh um, this place you just do it so here's my question. I have two ideas, and I, I want your all's input. Idea one, Constance looks at JR and says, like, magic juice, the jetpack. And then she's going to fly directly downward into the platform, essentially to try to use a magical mm. boost oh. to God, that's push fucking cool. Oh, to, like, hold the platform, the platform down. down. I don't want to yeah. hear, the, hear the other idea. I don't okay. even care. All right. <laughs> Hell no, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Please share no, your other the, idea. That's just fucking cool one, as hell. <laughs> the other one is that I go over and help Alvin because, hello, I have a jetpack. I got I this. don't need to walk over a chasm. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. You need a magical weapon over here. Yeah, that's true. So I guess you, if you've got that covered, then yeah, I will I will handle making sure we don't float out into space. How about that? Love it. Okay, so so we can actually do that now. Um, Constance is hovering. She like finishes mocking Augie, which is very important for morale. I think it boosts everyone a little, you know? Yes. And yes, then yes, she yes, looks at JR yes. and she points to her jetpack and she's like, juice me up, Scotty. <laughs> That's a that's a nerd <laughs> reference. I don't know if you had time to. Can you put magic into my jetpack, please? <laughs> I know what Star Trek <laughs> is. I didn't grow up under a rock. Well, I just had an unstable housing situation when I was younger. And yes, I can try to do that. I can try to juice you up, we Scotty. Have to be sure because we don't know where you grew up. You're very withholding of that yes. sort of information. You won't even tell us who your favorite character on Bob's Burgers Friends. is. It's like, you know. Leon shouts, Friends, this is not the time. Yeah, I guess he has a point. <laughs> Honestly, I think this is exactly the time to have a discussion about pop He's culture. He's like references. gripping onto like uh, this okay. little like finger hold on the stage, trying not to float <laughs> away. Oh, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Please. All right. Okay. I'm going to juice up your jetpack. That's a 10. Hey. Okay. Saving all the good rolls. On a 10 plus, the magic works as intended. Constance, with your jetpack, you are now capable of doing something that is beyond human limitation. <laughs> what does this look like? Constance secretly has seen 
all of the superhero movies. She doesn't like saying that out loud because she feels like that's like, you know, not indie enough for her, but she definitely has. So she does a backflip and starts heading straight down towards the platform, but like with a fist out, like Supergirl style, essentially, or Wonder Woman, you know, you take your pick and essentially punches the ground of the platform, pushing it down, essentially using the magical boost to the jetpack to fight against Agival's power. And as everything around you is accelerating up and up and up, you all move down. Back towards Earth, back towards reality, until you come to rest on the ground, in defiance of everything Vol has done. As you reach the surface, Pax looks around, looks at all of the sigils, turns to you, JR, and says, It's time. It's time for the five points. We need the paragons. Quinn, do I have the five points? Jer, I assume you have the broken piece of seal that is serving as the mark of the trickster, but you'll need the four others, and you'll need to do them one at a time. Okay, so I need Boney, Alvin, Constance? No, I don't think you need me. Yeah, no, the way that Constance brought Boney back, she is here now. Constance okay. doesn't need to channel her. Then we need Dorian, mm-hmm. and... uh. What's number five? Uh, I know you've told us a million times. Will of a human. Will of a human. Is that me? Mm-hmm. It can be if you want it to be. You're human, okay. ain't you? And then you? we got the bookends. All right, so we got to one at a time. So, okay, number one, and I reach into my pockets. Oh, no, I forgot. No, here it is. It's right. It's in the pocket. Here's the- Collectively, all 12 members of the Daylight Society around you scream. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, I got it. It's a big deal. Okay, it's, good. it's fine. It's fine. Here it is. So here's, I hand over the seal to somebody who's not me. Pax takes the piece of seal and sets it down next to the pair of bookends. And slowly, it disappears. Okay. And on the two bookends, you see the symbol of an eye with a vortex at the center appear. Oh, that's fucking dope. Very nice work, Constance. All right. Boonie! As you complete the first piece of this. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like in a boss battle when, like, (laughs) boss, like, mutates. (laughs) Alvin. Fuck. Vol splits in two. Oh, no! Oh. And dissipates like gas out from your grip. Bullshit! (laughs) He reconstitutes not too far away and you hear his booming voice once more say, I see what you're trying to do and it won't be enough. You can't stop the future. And just behind his head, you see a jagged gash in the fabric of reality. It splits the space behind him, tearing wide and through the breach burst hundreds upon hundreds of inky black tendrils. No. Oh, not again. again. Vol's brilliant harlequin form is wreathed in the midnight halo of the void. The many tendrils of the Colossus surge across the battlefield, weaving between believers, treants, and people alike. And as they surge forward, they come to surround you and the Daylight Society. Well, that's bullshit, Quinn. Boss fight, baby. I mean, it's very obvious. Boss fight, baby. This is bullshit. You got your protection still. You keep focusing on the points. Okay. Uh, what so do Vol's you gone, do? though. Vol's gone, and I'm falling up, right? Yes, Alvin, you are sailing upwards at this point. 
Can I take a quick peek around this constellation of, of bodies? They're, are they pretty tight packed all around me? Why don't you give me a roll to read a bad situation? Oh, boy. We're going to try to use moves other than kick some ass and protect no! someone. And use Things magic. I don't have plus three in. Damn. Okay, I'll read a bad situation. Six. I might blow a luck point again. Do it! Be reckless! It's the okay. end! I would love to find... The dream of dreams is to find the fucking green knight to fastball me special down. You don't have that one advanced, do you? No, no, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. On a 10 plus, hold three. What? It's my one of the what's my best way down what's yeah what's my best way down <laughs> <laughs> what's my best way down we'll we'll count it we'll count that as a question out of where i am and into the bubble zone because vol's gone he's nowhere to be seen he just evaporated right no he he did reconstitute some distance away from you oh, okay. but his corporeal form is questionable at this point yeah it's a moving target uh, clear, clearly now not a great anchor because yeah. he can just poof um, so yeah, down towards the bubble. Yeah, Alvin, I think there's a whole mess of bodies floating around you moving at, at different speeds and different points, but there are enough that you could chart a course. It would be a tough course, uh, but you could chart sort of an uh, an upside down platforming game right. to the stage. Hop, hop, hop. Okay, dope. I begin doing that. And while I do that, I look around for the second of the three, which is what is the best way to protect the victims? Who are the victims? Which Daylight victims society. are you seeking to protect? Specifically, the, the, the 12 Close that the are victims. 12 that are keeping this ritual alive and perhaps the four of the specific points in particular. So there are going to be two different answers to that, depending on who you're looking to protect, whether it's the four paragons, okay. the four remaining paragons or the 12 people. If you want, you can ask that question twice. Yeah, ask it twice. Okay. The best way to protect the 12 members of the Daylight Society who are holding this ritual in place, this sealing of magic in place, is to keep Vol distracted and keep as many of the Void's tendrils away. Because mm -hmm. you remember yeah. what happened last time that thing attacked JR's barrier. Yeah. And JR is more powerful now, but it probably it's a bad matchup. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the four paragons of magic that are remaining, well, yourself- you got to protect yourself. All right. Self-care. Brandusa, Constance's boonie, is already inside of the protective area, so she's okay. Great. I think you assume JR is serving as the, the will of a human. She's also I there. I think we would have decided that before we came here with the, that would have been yeah. the plan. We didn't say like, we'll get there and then, I don't know, we'll figure this one out. That leaves Dorian. Mm -hmm. And I think you're scanning the skies and high, high above you see the garish suited form of Dorian. Oh, he slipped out of the dang bubble. I will um, say Dorian was not in, in the bubble. Uh, he was out fighting with Morgana and Gawain, who are also, like pretty much everyone else, just sailing through the air at various points. Oh, he left the bubble. He yeah. doffed his hat to JR. Mm -hmm. He went to go fight. Okay. Does he look like he he's magic? Does he not know how to fly? Can he make himself a jetpack? It doesn't seem like he is, if he could have done something, it seems like he, he and, would have and Morgana it. and the rest would have. Okay. Can I adjust my cool platforming route to try to go get them? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, you don't need to adjust your platforming route. I think you reverse swan dive, basically. Yeah. You're like on one of these bodies. Diver. Yeah. And, and you jump and then start sailing upward towards Dorian. Yeah. JR and Constance 
these tendrils, the tentacles of the void, are beginning to surround you, and the first few that arrive start hammering away at this barrier. And with every strike, you can feel the impact, the resounding resonance as they strike your magical barrier. What do you do? Well, I gotta say, first of all, that's very unsexy. Very Very unsexy. Yeah. (laughs) Very unsexy. Zero percent sexy. Yep. Yep. Very unchill. That's some bad vibes right there. Um... I would like to see if I can just boost my shield strength so I can then add another okay. one of the points to the bookends. Give me a roll to use magic. 10. On a 10 plus, the magic works as intended. JR, yeah, you baby. hold up the key and that shimmering barrier, the sphere of protection around the stage, pushes back out. And you can see it repulse these inky black tendrils, giving you just a bit more breathing room. But you're in a race against time. Never was there ever a better 15. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. That's the gift that keeps on giving, (laughs) y'all. No, seriously. (laughs) I would also like to do something. Sure. So I I have more or less pushed us back down. How much pressure am I feeling when I'm like pushing us down? I mean, a good amount for sure. Okay. Um, but Constance, you do notice it is starting to lessen, to slack, as Vol stands at the fore of this legion of tendrils from the void. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's switching his... his juice from anti-grav to tendrils. Yeah, you know, he's only got one circuit. He can't overload it. Okay. Um, <laughs> he is only So, human. like, if I were to stop, that is <laughs> technically true. Um, That's the key. If I were to stop, like, actively pushing... I got I got a little bit of time, right? It's not like we fly all the way back up really quickly, right? I've got like Yeah. The stage is okay. of a sufficient enough weight, and especially given that this is this effect is slacking, you're not gonna sail away right away. Okay. So I think I can kind of sense the amount of pressure I have here. And so what I would like to do is let go and do a lap around the edge of the platform, jetpack magical flame out. So, like, I'm basically mooning. I'm, like, butt hanging right outside the edge of of the shield. (laughs) I am spraying my magical jetpack fire at these tentacles because it's not just a jetpack fire. It's magical jetpack fire. Like waving a torch at the spooks in the night. Oh, my God. Exactly. I have no fucking clue what role this is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I... We need to add a new skill, which is just badassery. Magical jetpack mooning circle. (laughs) Yeah, and I just do like one swoop around the circumference and then back to like pushing us back down. But, you know, I I figure I'll do some damage. Like, let's go. Let's let's burn these suckers. I think I'm going to have you give me a roll to protect someone. Sweet. This flamethrower jetpack is like MVP of the campaign, I think. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to have like a, a competition afterwards <laughs> for like no limits, flamethrower jetpack, and JR's barrier spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you, there's good news and bad news. Oh, it's bad news. <laughs> Which would you like first? The good news or the bad, bad news? news? Bad, bad news. Bad first, news first, obviously. The bad news is that that's a three. Uh-huh. Woof. Mm-hmm. The good news is that I have an art tag. Yeah! Thank God for art! Do you want to explain how your art tag works? Yes. Yes. Okay, (laughs) so my art tag, I get to use it almost like an extra luck point, so if I'm doing something that can be constituted as intricate, I can spend the tag as if it were one luck point. 
So I would argue keeping consistent rhythm, speed, general style points going around the circumference of this circle, basically with my back to the circle, just like fanning flames of magic at these tendrils. I think that's pretty intricate. Uh, I'm going to call that intricate. Step it up a notch and draw your boonies sigil on the surface of the sphere with fire. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, why I mean, not? with the flame going out, but like the pattern you take. Yeah, yeah, sure. I give a that a go. <laughs> Constance, I think that is a pretty intricate maneuver. Thank you. You fire up your jetpack and begin sailing around the sphere, weaving like a jet fighter in between these tendrils. And for a moment, it looks like you are going to stumble. It looks like you're not going to pull this off. And we all see the two bookends and we see the magic flowing through them, moving through the contours and curves of their intricate patterns. And as it does, it mirrors your movements. Your jetpack pulls you out of the way of one tendril, and a burst of flame carves through another. And against all odds, as though reality were bending around you, you complete your circuit. On a 12+, Both you and the character or characters you are protecting are unharmed and out of danger for the time being. (laughs) Hell yeah. I have one amendment. Sure. (laughs) As I am doing this, I am singing. We are the champions, my friends. (laughs) Uh, But really loud so that Augie can hear it. Okay. JR, you've got all the time in the world. Okay, second point of the seal. Boonie, you're up! Brandusa looks out at Constance, sailing wild and free through the tendrils, <laughs> smiles, and steps forward. There is a surge in the light of the sigils around the bookends and her. And she's gone. And the symbol oh. of an ankh appears on both bookends. Shit. Sorry, Constance. It was meant to be. Alvin, the air is thin when you finally reach Dorian. (laughs) Oh, no. You can feel your lungs struggling to suck in oxygen. But at last you arrive, and he looks at you and says, I've been waiting. Can't get away that easy. (laughs) Let's finish this, Guardian. Hang on. I tell him, hang on, because I'm going to no limits my platform. (laughs) He grabs hold of your torso. Give me a roll, no limits. Okay, no limits. Uh, Finale roll, come on. Ooh, uh, that's a 10. On a 10 plus, you push yourself to the limits of human possibility. What does it look like? I think I target some of the larger chunks of, because the earth was all fucked up and breaking apart as well, and I presume all of those big chunks are also Oh yeah, and flying, going all which way. Definitely. All sorts of directions. So I target those with a higher inertia. So I just go leaping from chunk of floating earth to chunk of floating earth with lightning speed. Alvin, with Dorian on your back, you bound from object to object, body to body. And we see the camera following you as you ascend from the stratosphere through the sky, through the clouds, back towards the earth above below as you do so 
as you get closer, you find yourself amongst the swarm of tendrils from the void, dark jet black everywhere, whipping, writhing, and reaching for you. What do you do? I'm going to grab Dorian. I'm going to huck him up into the bubble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> get in there. Give me a no limits. This, this fastball special <laughs> that you're trying to pull. Give me fastball one more. Fastball special. Go. You're next. That's a nine. On a seven to nine, choose a consequence. I'll do minus one forward, I think. Okay. Alvin, as this writhing mass of tendrils closes in on you, you heave Dorian forward through this narrow gap. It's a pitch that would close out the World Series. Dorian sails through this morass of midnight tentacles and through JR's barrier, crashing unceremoniously in a a heap (laughs) on the ground just beside the ritual. And he slowly gets up and dusts himself off, looks at JR and says, are we ready to do this thing? All right, Dorian. Yep, my dude. Dorian raises a hand up to his face and that cheeky boyish countenance that you all have come to know, if not love, peels away. And before you stands a dervish of sand and fire, fierce, formidable, but above all, defiant. He steps forward and holds out his hand, the bright red circle blazing upon it, and Constance, you feel it on yours too. There's a flash of light as the sigils surge, and he falls to his knees before the book ends, the symbol of two circles intertwined appearing upon them. All right, we're more than halfway done. This is good. This is good progress. Great work, everybody. Constance. Yeah? Can I get a lift? Hell yeah. I uh, fly over to you. Constance, you sail towards Alvin. And on your way there, manifesting just in front of you, is oh, Augie Ball. Oh, shit, this uh... motherfucker. He reaches out a hand and catches you in the throat. Oh, God. I spit on him. <laughs> the spit explodes into confetti because it's not magical. <laughs> Look, I'm not expecting it to hurt him, but I want him to know that I spit on him. You feel his hand close around your neck. And as you do, you have the profound sensation of coming undone as your body unravels around you. And as it does, Vol's voice booms, filling your eardrums. I was a fool to align with Magdalena. Your family is nothing but a pox. This world will be better without you. Are you done? Am I still corporeal for a moment there? Do I, do I have any, any time left? Your body is coming undone, but you have time to do something if you'd like. I pull two daggers from my little wrist thing. One in each hand. I throw them behind me so that the edges of them are magically flamed. So now they're coming out on fire. <laughs> and I just... I know it's not going to matter, but I stick them into the headset on either side, and I just whisper, because I know he'll hear me regardless, your legacy will be that you will be forgotten. As you plunge these flaming daggers into his headset, he screams. Just a horrible, digitized, synthetic scream. 
and it echoes in every corner of the world all at once. And Constance, that scream is the last thing you see as your body turns to dust. There is a roar from behind Augie. Yeah, Alvin, in front of you, a hundred plus feet away as you're bounding to and fro, you see Constance intercepted, and this scene unfolds in just a few short seconds. About 600 pounds of fur and claws collide with Augie. I think he's caught off guard. Give me a roll to kick some ass. Fuck this guy. That's a nine. Damn. On a seven and nine, you trade harm as established. You plunge your magically enhanced, enchanted claws into his body and you rend his flesh such as it is. And there's another scream, not nearly so profound or pronounced, as his corporeal form is caught off guard. And his whole body sort of phases backwards. He doesn't turn, but his whole body just shifts backwards. He faces you without a word, and then you feel your body disintegrating as well. Alvin, go ahead and take five harm for me. That's fine. That's four, I believe, at the end of the day. It's only three, actually. Okay. As you deliver blow after blow, you feel your body being unraveled. And I think from below you, you hear a voice. Alvin, no! We can't lose you! I can't lose you! You gotta come home, big brother, come on! You gotta get down here! With tears running from his eyes, he just gives one last look at at Augie, who's right in front of him, right? Yep. He just pivots and does a big kick off of this rather stationary figure of Augie. Because Augie's not gonna fly backwards. Augie's fixed, more or less. Alvin, you kick off uh, and go sailing downward. And as you do, Vol starts flying downwards towards you. And the tendrils are closing in. Pull me! JR. Leon, where did she go? Leon, where did Constance go? JR. Alvin. Alvin needs your help right now. He's not going to make it by himself. JR. JR, please. Where did she go? <laughs> JR, please. All right. I'm going to try and cast something to drag Alvin back to us faster. Well, that's a seven. On a seven and nine, it works, but there is a glitch. I'll take a harm. Okay. JR, I think we see a lance of light burst out from your protective barrier. This cylinder shoots forward, and around it, every tendril from the void is expelled, battered away, until it reaches Alvin, and his path is secure. Alvin, you sail down, and with a crash land at the foot of the ritual, sigils brimming with energy, three of the five points complete. Yeah, I think it's a superhero land. I think he lands as a circle, becomes human in that tumble, and then just punches his fist down in the middle of in the middle of the circle. As you do so, there is a roar. Not from you or from Sarah, but echoing across the ages. Every guardian who came before you all at once. 
there is another brilliant flash of light, and the symbol of a claw appears on both bookends. I just kind of collapse to one side. Above you is Augie Vol. His form, the shadow of a human being. And as he stands there, all of the tendrils mass up into a single, enormous wave of darkness. I'm gonna blast the fuck out of him. I'm blasting with magic. I'm, bl- I'm mad. I'm mad. Don't die. Give me a roll to use magic. That's a five. I'm using a lock point for a there complete success. Okay. Advanced magic blast. On a 12 plus, I will offer you an added benefit. JR, this wave comes crashing down, but as it does, through it cuts a beam of light. And it strikes Augie as it does, as it cleaves this midnight tidal wave in twain. And it does the same to him. His form bursts into a cloud of pure magical energy. And as it does, for just a moment, you feel a presence in the back of your mind. Almost like the consensus, but more potent, more powerful, more all-encompassing. And you get not words, but a sensation, all-powerful and overwhelming. A feeling of long-simmering confusion and sudden, sharp consternation bordering on betrayal. But in that moment, JR, it crystallizes into understanding that it's not just for Augie or for you, but for them, for everyone. Your added benefit, JR, is that this 12 plus will count as the one you need to complete the ritual. You have a moment. This is for you, Constance. And I slam my hand down on the seal on the bookends. In the pocket of your suit, you feel your key thrumming. There is a brilliant flash of light that fills every micron of this space. And the symbol of a hand appears on both bookends. All around you, you can feel gravity returning. The earth settles, the stage comes to rest awkwardly upon it. All around you, bodies plummet from the sky, landing in mangled heaps. The supernatural protection seems to still be active. Their wounds close over, but it's slower and more staggered. There seems to be a glitch in the system. And the forces of the Court of the New Spring, in this moment of the absence of Val's power, seize it. With the aid of Morgana and Dorian and Mr. Blue and Sky, the Treants and Packbound mortals are shepherded back down safely to the earth below and they regroup around you. And for just a moment, it is utterly silent. And then Vol reappears above. He surges towards you, an army of black tendrils, and Morgana looks at Dorian. And Dorian looks back at you all and both of them hold out their hands. As Vol plummets towards you all, he starts to lose his composure, that magical energy peeling away layer after layer, and you can see that it is being drawn, siphoned away by Morgana and Dorian, the two of them working together in unison, and by the time he reaches you, Vol is nothing. 
The two of them step forward, thrumming with magical energy, and take each other's outstretched hand. And before you appears a window. It looks familiar in many ways, but I think you know in your hearts that it leads to someplace new. A whole new world, filled with magic for them. Slowly, amidst the stunned silence of a battle abruptly halted, the forces of the Court of the New Spring, the Kindred, make their way through. And as they do so, Morgana steps forward. We will never forget what you have done for us, writing an injustice centuries old, saving your world in the process. I know it has come with great cost. Say her name. Constance. Just keep saying her name. Constance. And Dorian steps forward, and he holds out his hand, and that red circle on it fades. We never forget those who are true to their word. Constance, you open your eyes, and ahead of you, you see your mother and your boonie. And behind them, you see a great gleaming river of silver. The two of them smile at you, and they hold out their hands. I give them both high fives instead. <laughs> I just give them both high fives and smile. You see them laugh, but instead all you hear is the sound of bells ringing. And they wrap their arms around you. And everything fades away. We see the sun rising over Firmament, Colorado one year after an apocalypse averted. A warm radiance creeps in through the windows of the prospector. Inside we see Jasper quietly pushing tables out to the side and rearranging chairs to form a small circle in the center of the room. The door opens with a familiar creak and Leon enters. He beams a broad smile as he jogs over to help finish setting up. You know, Eventually, you're going to have to find somewhere else for your board meetings. Prospector wasn't meant to be open this early. And besides, shouldn't y'all have a fancy office by now or something? Leon laughs. A deep, rich laugh. This is where it all started, Jasper. Daylight Society's not going anywhere. The pair embrace in a warm hug. As they split, Leon reaches into his messenger bag, retrieves an intricate wooden bookend and places it in the center of the circle. Where's, uh, where's Alvin? Oh, Leon chuckles. He's picking up the snacks. <laughs> we smash cut to Alvin, speeding down the streets of Firmament on his bike, cargo containers absolutely stuffed to the gills with every possible provision imaginable. <laughs> There's a tangled mess of traffic up ahead, but he pops up a makeshift ramp and in a flash is sailing over the fray. Yeah! 
And for a moment, Alvin, you are suspended perfectly in the air. The only thing you can feel, the quiet, steadfast rotation of the earth below you. And we're going to pause in this moment of levity to ask, how have you spent the last year? I, th- I think it's been on the outside. He's pretty much the same, same old Alvin, but it's been a bit of a struggle kind of one re- readjusting back to quote unquote, the normal life that he wanted from the beginning, but two adjusting to just the changes, the the loss of a, a very good friend, family member, really. Uh, there are many a quiet night just spent in meaningful and understanding silence, listening to music, sitting on a couch with Leon. I think I have pitches for you all, and mm-hmm. we can we can, you can go with them or not. But I think after some time, several months, maybe even six months. I think Kristen texts you and asks to meet up at the Stacks, the coffee shop just mm-hmm. outside of Firmament College. Yeah, he just pings back and says, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm free in about an hour and a half. You all meet at the Stacks. It's as, as busy and vibrant as ever Firmament College is. I think probably becomes something of a premier destination given the way the world has unfolded. Mm -hmm. She gives you a big hug as you enter and you all grab a table in the back and she sits down and kind of is toying with her phone, I think. And finally, she looks at you and says, so I've been thinking about going back to school. Really? Yeah. You know, when you study computer science and coding and engineering and... You go to work for a startup that is going to revolutionize the way that the world works. And then I can't, I can't do it anymore, Alvin. I can't code. I was thinking about going and getting a degree in philosophy, actually. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Don't know what I'm going to do with it, but. It seems, I don't know, it seems important. I always thought school didn't have anything else to teach you, Kristen. You're so smart. We never stop learning. Hmm. Alvin, would you, Alvin, would you go with me? I was kind of thinking about it. I mean, back when I was enrolled, I hadn't really decided what I was going to do. I was just kind of following I figured, well, I'm, I'm from the farm, may as well ag studies make sense. I'm already pretty good at it, but didn't really call to me. And then of everything, you know? Yeah. I kind of figured that, that my time here was was over. I think if we've learned anything, Alvin, it's that we never know what our lives are going to be. And there's always time to change if we want. Mm-hmm. You don't have to study ag studies. You can study philosophy with me or or whatever you want. But I remember when we were in class together, Alvin. You loved it there. I mean, it's been hard recently to think of anything that, I don't know, isn't inspiring or driving. But 
I just keep thinking about those stories, you know, from the library and something that I've really enjoyed and is kind of calling to me is sometimes when Leanne and I are just looking for something to put on just to watch a movie or something like that, we put on one of the old, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but the old, like an old monster film, Frankenstein or Wolfman. <laughs> and Cinema I don't know, studies? I, there's courses in that, I suppose. That just something about that calls to me. I think you'd be a great director, Alvin, or a writer. No one knows action quite like you. <laughs> I'd have a lot to learn, but I suppose that's what that's what school's for, huh? We can do it together. All right. All right. I don't think Alvin has graduated within the next six months. It probably no, takes no, no, a little no. bit longer, but... Yeah, I think we get just a, a flash of the future. We see another scene in the prospector, a giant banner draped over the entryway. It says, congratulations, Alvin. Everyone is there. Leon, Jasper, Cecilia, Eve, and Fred, Galvan, Victor, even Phoebe makes an appearance. <laughs> There's cake and champagne and laughter and joy, but I think most of all, there is a feeling one that I don't know if Alvin has ever felt but certainly never as strongly as he did in that moment and that his whole life is ahead of him I think we rewind a little bit in time to a different gathering at the Prospector as Alvin bursts in through the door just a cornucopia of snacks in his arms Alvin what do you got for us today Oh boy, we got airheads, we got toasted Cheetos, we got two <laughs> full bricks said. of cheese, yeah. we've got a <laughs> the baguette. Whole of cheese. <laughs> two bricks of cheese, we got a baguette, we've got a bundle of tomatoes on the vine, we've got a handful of plums, we've got one single apple and two bananas, Ooh. we've got a share bag of M&Ms, we've got a big bag of mini candy bars like you would give out at uh, trick-or-treat time. We've got a couple sticks of pepperoni. We've got, <laughs> I keep going, just thinking of yummy things now. I think as you're laying out this inventory, Leon walks over and plants a kiss on your cheek and says, you never cease to amaze, do you? I pick him up and give him a big kiss while swinging him around and say, you know, it just it feels like a good day. It does. The door to the prospector swings open again. I can't believe you still insist on meeting here, Leon, Pax says as they step inside. They're sporting a checkered navy waistcoat and a coral bow tie that matches the latest color of their undercut. We are the stewards and shepherds of the supernatural in this world, and everyone knows it now. We should be projecting strength and professionalism. No offense, Jasper. None taken. Come on, Lamont. Kristen chides as she too enters. Things are going well. It's okay to lighten up a little bit. Don't make me call JR. Pax glowers at her, and then smirks. If you have her latest burner number, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> Kristen feigns a frown, but she can't keep a straight face. Do you not remember who you're talking to? <laughs> she presses a few buttons on her phone and raises it to her ear. Hey, JR? 
Listen, I know we're not supposed to get started for another 10 minutes, but do you think you could get here a little bit early? Pax is being a real grump today. I think they miss you. And we see the other side of the phone, pressed to JR's ear. Where are you right now, JR? I'm in the lovely woods of the Pacific Northwest, because we have gotten nice. some, some rumors, some folks coming down from the hiking trails about something up there that's not on the up and up. It's not Bigfoot. It's not <laughs> Bigfoot. Don't think it's the Squatch. It's, I don't think it's Mothman. We're on the West Coast, but uh, yes, and I am wearing, this pains me greatly to say, <laughs> but I'm wearing jeans- Hiking boots <laughs> and the crispest, newest North Face fleece vest. <laughs> you ironed your North Face vest? I got it pressed, okay? Start they start. laughed at me when I took it to the dry cleaner, and I'm never going back to that dry cleaner again. I do not know how to care for this garment. It says you can just throw it in the wash, but who would do such a thing? <sighs> JR, we see you in your Pacific Northwest best, Mm -hmm. and we pause again to ask, what have you been doing the past year? Right after, I don't want to say everything got back to normal, but right after we um, resolved the most pressing issues, JR skipped town, slept in the middle of the night, Constance's death hit really, really hard. And she felt like even though she did have some people there who cared about her, this was a very long time to be in one place. And she needed to not be processing this with other people. And frankly, she wasn't sure she was going to come back, which would have been a, you know, that's the usual pattern. Just kind of bounce when things get difficult. You know, I've been doing it all my life. But yeah, I just disappeared and I didn't leave any... Like, no forwarding information, no contact information. The only thing that got left behind was I had gotten constant some bath bombs hmm. to replace the ones that I used up. And I figured I'd give it to her after we got her apartment back in order. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I left. And then I, I skipped town. Where did you go? Uh, I went to the East Coast first um and was kind of going up and down the eastern seaboard a lot of rich people living on the coast a lot of nice stuff to steal <laughs> so i think at one point i i boosted enough of uh some jewels or something like that and i was able to i rented a, a houseboat it's like living on a houseboat for a while <laughs> which is very strange because jared does not know how to like navigate like does not know how to drive a boat steer a boat Move the boat. Boat, boat, boat. Fortunately, the boat just stays there, but like, I don't know shit about fuck about boats, but I was like, houseboat? Sure. How easy can this be? As it turns out a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, but still, it was very <laughs> stubborn. So uh, yeah, I was uh, holding up in a houseboat for a while. I think it is at this houseboat that you are sort of a fish out of water in. One evening, there's a knock at your door. Go away! Nobody's home! <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> JR, I know you are in there. No, I'm not! 
she's not here. I'm K-R. Fuck. God damn it. I had Kristen run a worldwide search for an abnormal number of suit purchases in small towns. Oh, damn it. It's my weakness. It seems like your impeccable taste has continued. Fine. 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 And I stomp over and I open the door. It is Lamont. They look tired. Yeah, it took you a while to find this place, right? The cell service out here is terrible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Don't love the fact that the toilet's been backed up for like three days. So I've been just peeing off hmm. the deck. Um, oh. Okay. Oh, that's Good definitely against water regulations. <laughs> you think I give a shit uh-huh. about water regulations? I think it's the only thing you give a shit about, JR. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Uh, well, wonderful. Uh, good to see you, JR. How are you doing? I'm bored and I'm lonely. Perhaps that is because you are living on a houseboat in the middle of nowhere on the East Coast. Okay, true. But that is the immediate, that is the surface level. But as I have been learning, reading all of this previous under's self-help books, and I gesture to a wall that is full of, like, color me beautiful, and a lot <laughs> of stuff about the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs type indicator, there's a whole bunch of horoscope stuff, and then the rest of it is Tom Clancy, just, like, <laughs> wall to wall. And it's all hardcover for some reason. <laughs> As I have been learning and discovering about myself in this previous owner's book collection, that would be a surface level read. Now, because I- wait, nope, not gonna tell you my star sign. You know, mm-mm-mm-mm, now I'm gonna get to learn my birthday. I don't have a birthday. I- I just came into existence. Well, like a, then- Like Athena. Perhaps JR. Yeah. It's because this is your old move. Before everything happened. Yeah. Before- Yeah. Yeah. You made friends before you built a life, and your old move doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, but they're probably just doing fine without me. They're they're fine. They got Alvin's They miss you, JR. We all miss you. I miss you. Do you know anything about him? Flipping houseboat rental properties? <laughs> I assure you we can work something out. This is just a temporary thing. You understand that. I'm not moving. Not moving back there. I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't dream not, of it. Not, I actually have a proposition for you, JR, if you're willing to listen. I mean, you're here on the houseboat. I assume you're going to stick around until you have to end up using the restroom because I'm sorry, the deck <laughs> is for my peeing use only. You're going to have to go find your own deck, my friend. Thank you for that important clarification. Mm-hmm. That's all mine. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> JR, you can have friends and family. You can have a life, even if you travel. Adventure and friendship, they aren't mutually exclusive, JR. Yeah. I've been, I have been talking to Leon 
the BAE, the Unnatural Order, they don't fit the world that we built. We need something new. We need people who can help keep the world safe, not just for people, but for everyone. I don't think I know anyone more qualified to do that than you. You're just saying this because you want me to join your new club. What's the name of the club, anyway? You're not going to be Bay anymore? <sighs> no. The days of Bay are behind me, JR. Well, but you'll always be Bay to me. I think you know the name. The Secret Club? The, the Secret Houseboat Club? No, we're not going to call it Leon. No! No, you let Leon name it? No, 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 no. I leave? And all of my hard work making sure that power does not go to that boy's head, all of that is gone. What have you done? What have you done, Pax? What have you done? What have you done? This is why we need you, <sighs> JR. It's the the Daylight, Daylight Society. Society needs you. Gonna show back up, and he's gonna be like, I don't need a sidekick anymore, and then it's gonna be fucking awkward. <sighs> what does it look like, though? What is this like? I don't want anything official because if you give me something official, I'm just gonna use it to steal things. Actually, on second thought, you should give me something official a badge. Hmm. I had thought you could be an agent. Does that mean I have to file, like, field reports and stuff? Because on second thought, I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't. No, I hate paperwork. I hate... I hate paperwork. Perhaps consultant would be better. And Jer's eyes light up at the word consultant. <laughs> oh, this is perfect. You don't even... This is so perfect. Because, you know, when I'm somewhere and somebody asks me what I do... And I don't want to tell them that, like, I steal stuff for a living. I just tell them that I work in consulting, and they never ask me any questions. Because nobody knows what that actually means, and I don't either. So, yes, consult- Oh, my God. This is great. Yes. I will be a consultant. I will consult you and Leon, and then I will consult things- Spooky things? Yes. Precisely. I. Oh, man. So. Alright. I'm gonna come back. But you have to tell everybody in the Daylight Society that, like, I held out for two full days and you kept having to come back to the houseboat and I kept telling you to go away and you kept. Sh you just, like, you had to, like, you had to really. I don't want them to know that. Don't want them to know that I care about them, okay? At least not so blatantly. It's important. I have an image to protect. Your secret is safe with me. And we cut back to the present at the Prospector. A rift opens, and through it steps JR. Pax looks over and smiles and says, That's a nice flannel you have there. JR. You like it? Do I look good? I think I look very outdoorsy, which is not something that I like. Ugh, so damp out there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, let's, do, you, do you see the hiking boots? 
It's very. Would this be very Bay approved, Lamond? What do you What do you think? You pull it off. All right. Hey, Jr. Leon shouts from across the room. Oh, Leon! Glad you could make it. Boy, wonder. I go over and I ruffle his hair. He laughs and he gives you a big hug. And as he pulls away, he he runs over to this circle of chairs and he reaches out to the bookend. And in his hand, a book appears, a hefty gilded grimoire, sigils etched all along the cover and the bindings. As he grabs hold of it, he tosses it your direction. Can you check and see if the ambassadors are ready? I open up the book. I'm looking at it. What am I seeing, Gwen? The moment that the tome hits your hands, JR, there's a feeling of familiarity. Like an old friend you lost touch with and just ran into. You feel a familiar thrum. Without pause, the heavy cover swings open, and pages, far more than there initially appeared to be, begin to flip forward, until at last they come to rest on a picture of a window to another world. On the page, you see two figures approaching, and in a flash of light, Georgiana and Mr. Blue are standing before you. The thing is that if they had just let the prequels have a slightly better narrative, it actually would have worked really, really well. I just don't understand what the point was. You know, they had this great trilogy at the beginning, and they could have just left it at that. But no, they had to cast Hayden Christensen as young Darth Vader and try to make him a protagonist. I just don't understand. Georgiana, what is the point? I mean, this is... Oh, hey, Georgiana. Oh, hello. Hey. How are you, JR? And Georgiana kind of like uh, tussles your hair. Yeah. A little bit. Um, uh, I, I give Georgiana a big hug, which is very uncharacteristic for Group JR. Hug. You oh, feel, <laughs> oh, boy. You feel a bunch of pointy bits as you realize that she's definitely got weapons. Yeah, yeah you're, all, you're all squeezed in a big Alvin, oh, a normal boy. big Alvin hug. Right. Yeah. And when he lets you go, he, JR, he hands you a bag of Swedish fish and says, I thought you'd be turning up here. And Georgiani hands you a bag of warheads. You were asking about these. I was. I was indeed. Now be careful. No more than two at a time. She takes two and looks at you approvingly and then waits a second for you to turn around and sticks another one in. There's a hole in my fleece. <laughs> I think as we zoom in on Georgiana's face, puckering wildly at the <laughs> the third warhead, <laughs> we pause oh. one more time. Georgiana, what has happened this past year? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, a lot Wars. of things. Yes. Interestingly, that was one of the first things. It was a good way to escape. Sort of. For Georgiana, it seemed a little a little close to home, but, you know, it's all right. I think Georgiana and Mr. Blue have more or less become ambassadors between the two worlds. They're often traveling and liaisoning between them, getting people settled and set up in the magical realm, teaching folks what the customs are between the worlds so when they're traveling, they can respect the place that they're visiting. And, you know, for Georgiana, that's also really nice because she's also readjusting to life on Earth still. She kind of got thrown into a big battle to save the world before she even really got to try a Hot Pocket, you know? 
So that that's kind of been their careers together and and personal life is going well. I think they've adopted a couple of They're not exactly dogs. <laughs> they're dogs <laughs> with an asterisk. They're magical they're dogs. They're magic dogs. <laughs> yes. Their eyes glow and you get the sense that they do other things, but nobody has asked because nobody really wants to know what's going on there. Anyway, <laughs> But on top of that, while on Earth, when Georgiana's on Earth, she has also recognized that she kind of gets the sense of a presence. She can sometimes feel this unearthly connection to the members of her family who are not currently on Earth anymore. And that's kind of one of those nice things about traveling between the planes. She senses it the moment she grounds herself on Earth. And so she has focused the last year on really tuning into that connection when she's on Earth. And I think Mr. Blue has probably helped her a bit with that and, and other magic users have so that she could tap into that a little more. She keeps in touch with really the only, the only blood family she has left on Earth, which is Victor. But she very much gets this sense of feeling at home on Earth because she feels the connection of her sister and her mother and her niece as well. I think, Georgiana, feeling this connection, you probably spend quite a bit of time trying to suss this out, right? Yeah. It's like personal training to try to strengthen that connection. I think you probably consult a lot of people, both in mundane Earth and in otherwhere. The thing is, no one knows what happened to the hereafter. Same as the plane of memory and the original otherware, it's unclear if they survived Vol's apocalypse or how. But that never dulls the presence. It's strongest on mundane Earth, and you feel it most of all in Firmament. You travel many places, but this is always home. You feel it when you're at the store and you cross by the aisle with the bath bombs. This pull of Constance's chosen family. But most of all, you feel it when you visit Victor. I think we see one of your weekly, monthly, Probably one of your monthly. regular visits to Olympic Heights, the Radescu family home. It's too big and too quiet. Victor greets you warmly with a, a firm embrace, and he's got the fire going. He's made food, of course, he always does. He's kept himself busy with poetry, as he always does. But you know he's thrilled every time you come to visit. Georgiana, my dear, it is good to see you. Been looking forward to this all week. As have I. Tell me about your travels. You know, same old, same old at this point. We, um... That seems so very a... hard to believe. <laughs> I only recently well, learned you know, of you... this other world, but it seems hard to imagine it is as mundane as you make it out to be. Mundane, no. Familiar, Yes. You meet one scared teenager that just realized they can do magic and you've met them all. It is no less satisfying every time to be able to help people find what they didn't know they were looking for. Truly a life's calling, my dear. You know, and I... How is Mr. Blue? 
Oh, he's good. He's good. He actually, and Georgiana pulls out of her jacket. a <laughs> It's like a Barnes and Noble notebook, like one of those like very cutesy, has like one of those sayings on the front that's like, if you say you can, you can. If you say you can't, you can't. Or, you know, some something like that, like some motivational poster. And she hands it to you and she's like, he took your advice about turning some of his fantastical imaginative dreams into poetry. And he very sheepishly was hoping that, that you would take a look and let him know what you think. I would be thrilled, my dear. Excellent, excellent. And, and then she kind of like looks in both directions and leans in to whisper something to Victor. And then all of a sudden, you hear the voice of Constance say... I particularly like the one on page 12. I know that one like took him a long time, but I thought that one was top notch. Victor starts just a little bit. Constance, my my dear? Hey, dad. He just throws he just throws his arms around you, around Georgiana. Ghost-style Constance hugs him back. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you are in Georgiana's body at this point. Yeah, I, I've, I, I, as I hug him, I go, please apologize to Georgiana for the possession. It's kind of the only way I can do this. It's, it's okay, my dear. She, she will understand, I'm sure. I figured. I, I can't, I cannot believe you are here. I'm sorry it took me so long. I, this. Your stuff is nobody gives you a rule book on this, you know. So you, uh, you apologize for nothing, my dear. I uh, it's really nice to to see you cooking and hosting, and it's been it's been really nice to see this. It's what well, it's what you all would have wanted. That's very true. It's certainly what mother would have wanted. Have I heard I heard well, everyone heard what happened. To be yeah. honest, my dear, I don't know how to feel, but I Is she okay? I think she is doing quite well with the one gleaming exception of you. Tell her. Well, tell her I am doing fine, my dear. She knows. I don't... I don't know how to forgive her for what she has done, but I am glad she is with family. Well, I won't tell you how to feel, or what is worthy of your forgiveness, but as far as I'm concerned, she did what she thought was best, and she uh, made the right choices in the end. And given how utterly stubborn every woman in your life is and was, <laughs> that's pretty uh, impressive. I suppose that it is. She still will not admit that she cheated at that one game of checkers like five years ago. She never will, my dear. There is no hope. She beyond took that to the grave. This just a, just never gonna <laughs> happen. 
How long... How long can you stay, my dear? As long as you keep that soup warm tonight. We haven't had a uh, father-daughter hangout in a very long time. I think we're well overdue. I think if you will grant me a liberty to narrate what Victor does next. By all means. I think Victor kind of smiles and goes and checks on the soup and comes back holding up a copy of News From Home, the 1977 avant-garde documentary by Chantal Ackerman. (laughs) The entire film is just long takes of scenery in New York with voiceover of a woman monotonely reading letters from her mother and her. (laughs) It is so artsy. It is quintessential movie sophisticated cinephile movie and as he holds it up i think constance as georgiana like jumps up and goes yes oh and we'll have to pull out a notebook and they say in unison and and write write down down every every time time she writes writes in haikus haikus. yes Yes, absolutely. absolutely and you see just like the biggest smile on georgiana slash constance's face for all of her boonie and her mom's many wonderful traits, neither of them are very artsy. And so I think Constance has been quite starved of like high art conversation and engagement for a very long time. So she's doubly excited to spend this time with her dad. And as he like sets it up and dials in the right, the right color setting on the TV, because <laughs> you have to watch it in the intended color format. That's of course, of course. Otherwise, what are you even doing? As he's setting that up, Constance starts like pulling all of the weaponry that Georgiana has on her out and lays it all on the table and goes like, "Hey, Dad, look at yes. look at all this. <laughs> look, look at how Georgiana walks around on a regular day. Isn't that wild?" Yeah, she is an extremely dangerous individual. <laughs> and I would like to say that the camera slowly hands out as if you're going through the window back out of the house as they are joking and poking fun at Georgiana's many very old school (laughs) weapons and preparing to sit down to watch this artsy as fuck movie yeah and we return to the prospector Georgiana stepping through this window and embracing everyone and behind you you hear Mr. Blue's voice We have a stowaway with us this time as well. And loping through the window behind him, you see the behemoth form of a grizzly bear. (laughs) And as she passes through, Sarah's ursin form shrinks and she returns to her human appearance. And she never breaks stride as she throws her arms around you, Alvin. Yeah, we do a little swinging circle hug. Bear Cub! It's so good to see you! You too! How's it going out there? Out of this world. <laughs> That's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Hey, I heard you started school again? You know what? I figured may as well give that another try. That's... It's perfect. It's nothing like second chances, huh? No kidding. The scene that unfolds is one of joyous reunion there's laughter and hugs and tears and plenty of news to share too 
See, despite the humble surroundings, the Daylight Society has done quite a bit of growing up this past year. That tends to happen when you save the world, but more than fame, it's the group's simple commitment to truth after centuries of deception and obfuscation that serves as their clarion call. With the dissolution of the BAE and the unraveling of the unnatural order, the Daylight Society is now the world's foremost organization when it comes to dealing with the supernatural. Eventually, everyone gathers and takes a seat around the circle. There is business to deal with, after all. Just like the first meetings of the Daylight Society, people take turns sharing news and information. Leon begins sharing the latest from around the globe. While the truth about magic has been revealed for all the world to see, it turns out the world's questions about the supernatural hardly stopped there. People fear what they don't know. And there's nothing more deadly than misinformation. But there's not a soul on earth better equipped to demystify the mystical than the Daylight Society's head of communications. With the most followed Twitter account on mundane earth, <laughs> oh, the Leonati is a beacon against oh, fear and darkness. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Just well don't done. let him get a fucking TikTok. Good job, bud. Pax goes next, reviewing the latest reports on potential supernatural occurrences and activity near the seals and ley lines. As chief steward, they oversee the safety and protection of mortal and magical beings alike on mundane earth. And there's plenty to keep track of. Magic isn't truly gone, not like before, and the membrane between worlds is a lot more porous these days. But despite the constant vigilance of Lamond and their agents, the world is mostly safe. More than safe, it's thriving. And finally, Kristen, the chief information officer, updates everyone on Operation Daylight, as Leon insists on calling it. The many works of the studio's old lore library have been fully digitized, and new materials are being added to the collection every day. It is the greatest repository of supernatural knowledge this world has ever known. A true heir to the plane of memory. And while the library is available online for free for anyone who wants to access it, the demand for a print edition has been overwhelming. The Constant's Companion a family field guide to the extraordinary, supernatural, and just plain weird was an overnight New York Times bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> Talk of business fades and catching up begins. In other words, visitors eagerly welcome news of their friends from the mundane world. For those who never sought a life of intrigue or daring, the past year has been a welcome return to some semblance of normalcy though it's clear the world will never be the same. Eve remains at the helm of the Jackalope, despite Leon's best efforts to recruit her. There has to be someone on the outside keeping them honest, she told him. The once humble publication now ranks amongst the world's most esteemed. Rising stars Jenny and Bree teamed up to launch a new multimedia arts collective, rooted in the stars. Their genre-bending, multidisciplinary work pays homage to Firmament's unique position at the crossroads between worlds, and to their dear friend, the only one who could see the forest for the trees. No one was more excited to relinquish the role of monster hunter than Cecilia, who made no attempt to hide her delight that the world was at last safe in the Daylight Society's hands. 
She returned to Firmament General, finding comfort and purpose in the care of others. And of herself. And while the reimagining was the last time she suffered supernatural injuries, it was not the last time she treated them. A rare expert in magical maladies, she remains a guardian angel over Firmament and beyond. A city at the singular nexus between earthly and supernatural needs more than an angel, though. It needs a protector. A guardian. For this, the Daylight Society and the world rely on the dogged vigilance and unimpeachable service of the one and only Sochil Galvan, Firmament's chief of police. Quinn, what happened to Stony? You said you left right away. I wasn't sure if you wanted to know. Yeah, yeah I want to know what happened to <laughs> JR, you go to the FBD headquarters, where Stony should be locked up. He's not. You look all over town. There's no sign of him. And eventually you find your way to the Tiger Lily Switchback Trail Overlook. And sitting there on the bench is a letter that's addressed simply June. Yeah, I opened it up. I'm skipping town, JR. By the time you read this, I'll be long gone. So try not to find it too soon. Don't think I don't recognize the irony. Me on the wrong side of the law, just as you're going straight. I reckon you're the only one who could find me. What with everything I know about being a criminal, I learned from you and all. So, I'm asking you. Please. Don't. I got no defense, but the selfishness of my own heart. And my foolishness thrown in with Augie Ball. It's more than I deserve, I know. A hell of a lot more. I'll never be at peace with the hurt I caused. But Roxy, she's... She's as healthy as the day we met. I can't lose her again. If I never see you again, well... Wish you a good life, JR. Thanks for saving me. Um... I take the letter and I I pull out a lighter and I burn it and I sit down on the bench and I go I forgive you Stoney I think we all do and then I put my head down and I cry and I don't think I ever see him again I don't think anybody does In turn, the ambassadors and Sarah share the news from anotherware, the new world of magic. Georgiana and Mr. Blue recount their many journeys between worlds. While they may not be official diplomats, they are ambassadors, symbols of the bond forged between mundane and magical, the epitome of everything you fought so hard for. Luminaries, no matter which side of the coin they're on. We hear about Sarah's many fantastical adventures in anotherware. A world of boundless magic constantly growing and unfolding. It never ceases to amaze and astonish. It's a little overwhelming at times and she always misses Alvin, but she also always knows where to find him. 
She's made so many friends and lived such a full and beautiful life there. But most important of all, she's happy. She's herself, fully and completely. The three of them regale the group with tales of life on the plane of magic, and news of the friends you made along your journey. Morgana and Gawain, Sky and Stan, who opted for the magical world <laughs> with nothing more than a wink and a smile. Uh, of course he did. Even Dorian is on his best behavior, though he's still an incorrigibly cheeky asshole. <laughs> Building a new world out of nothing but unbridled magic is an exercise in organized chaos, but there is no group better suited to the task. The challenge of a lifetime, Morgana calls it. When the present is exhausted, conversation turns, as it always does, to the past. There is reminiscing and remembrance, raucous and joyful, somber and silent. Inevitably, there is a long pause, to see if Constance will make an appearance. Though she never does. No one's ever really sure when she chooses to show up, or why. It's unclear if that's intentional or not. Even in death, she remains eccentric, enigmatic, and above all, exceptionally and unequivocally herself. The way she always wanted to be. When the end at last arrives, there are no goodbyes. Only see you soon. For we know that even those who are gone are not so far away. As everyone steps out of the prospector into a brilliant new day, Leon pauses at the door. He smiles, turns off the lights, and closes the